Podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I'm Ethan. So, Ethan, it is officially 2021. And actually, this We're not even going to pretend it's it's not. Yeah. Oh, I listened to our last episode, which was, gosh, I think it was Kyle XY was our last episode. Yeah, I think so. And we said we were recording in November, and that released in January. We're getting closer. There's one we had that was like recorded in September and released in November, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. it's fine. We had the special in between. We did that too. So we're we're yeah, good. Yeah, it's just you know I I like to mention it in case timey wimey Jeremy Barry stuff gets wonky because you and I are meme meme hounds. So it's what's gonna happen is that it's gonna be really funny while we're recording it. But then two months from now they're like, okay, grandma and grandpa. That was so All right. 2020 of you. <laughs> Shit. That was, uh, that was so January 2021. <laughs> We've moved on. We've got a new main character. I'm like yanking my mic cords apparently. Sorry, John. We're already past the murder hornets of January and everything else. We're on to something newer. <laughs> God, January last year was murder hornets? What is time? No. I don't understand. No, it wasn't January. I'm just saying maybe if we get murder hornets this year, it'll probably be January. If God, anything. if we're lucky. If we're lucky. Minus other things that have already happened. <laughs> but hey, happy 2021. I'm excited because, you know, it's it's a new year. That means new shows are coming out, new shows to get canceled if we're very lucky. But I say that as someone who, you know, picked an interesting show. Oh yeah, by the way, Ethan, did you know it was a self-pick this week? It was, as soon as I asked you to remind me. <laughs> it's our second to last episode, which means that this is our last, like, real bona fide episode. Yeah. Yeah, this is the last actual review we have in place. Mm-hmm. And I figured we'd do it with a bang, and we're going to do a self-pick. Which, gosh, we actually did three self-picks this season. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Because mine Kinda. was Riverdale, The Crown, and this one. Yep, and I can't remember the rest of that I did. because <laughs> Super impactful. Because time is a construct, and I never remember anything I watch the day after. <laughs> it's like studying for a test, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I use it for the information that I need it for, and then it's gone. There it goes. Until I needed to use it in an obscure quote. (laughs) What did you end up watching, Ethan? I ended up watching White Collar. Ooh. Mm -hmm. What were your initial thoughts on it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Which is a big 180 from, like, the very first thought I had in the first two minutes of the episode. (laughs) Ooh, I want to hear about it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, well, I, I guess am I going to go first, or what do you, What did you get? Oh yeah, I probably should talk about that too. I picked something that's been on my list for a long time. I picked Veronica Mars, which came out in like, what, 2004? Something like that. It's 2005. A, it's a dated one. It is. Uh, it was one of those shows that I was very lucky, and I had a best friend who lived right across the street from me. Mm-hmm. And her name's Kirsten, and we're still best friends. But she loved Veronica Mars, loved, loved, loved it. And I was an obstinate little shit, and I never watched it with her <laughs> for reasons I couldn't tell you why. I just I didn't I didn't want to get into it. So, uh, but I know she loved it, loves it still to this day. 
So it's a love note to one of my longest time friends. And I felt like I owed it to her to finally watch it. So yeah, I watched Veronica Mars. Aw, that's sweet. What a little yeah. nice little shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, did you want me to go first then? Yes. Since, okay. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> okay, so here's the premise. It's a it's a classic USA television show. I think the series is all complete now, which, you know, gives me some... F- spoiler alert, I guess I'm going to probably watch all of it in a complete binge fashion because I did enjoy it. But um, my first thought of it, the basic premise is it is, you know, catch me if you can if it was on television. So we got the classic, you know, consultant that's a forger. He's like a master counterfeiter and everything. And we have the FBI agent that, you know, monitors him and effectively. But the way it opens up is we have, hey, one of my other favorite actors that we've had in another episode before, Matt Bomber, who was in Doom Patrol. He is in prison. We see him shaving. And this is what threw me off for the very first time. Alex, do you know how people decide to show age in a man it, when they've been in prison? In prison? Um, I'm going to guess bald or Mm-mm. tattoos. Mm-mm. You would want to guess beards because this oh, man has time. a beard. Mm-hmm. 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 Now... They don't ask the actors to actually grow a beard so they can shave it off during the scene. So for makeup effects, they have this, you know, typical mesh or wig that you can always use. So they obviously had a pasted on faux beard for him. And you can tell that he has it on because you can actually see the mesh lining with all of the beard hair connected to it, like, while he's shaving. And so they try to do quick snippets not to, like, focus on it, because it's a very much a zoomed-up image of his jawline and his face. And I'm like, ah, that's cool. They couldn't hide that. (laughs) That's the amount of, uh, you know, budget they have. I need to pause you right now. What network is White Collar on, or was it on? It was on USA. Shock. Okay. And I already, I knew this, but I also feel like it follows the theme of, oh, is this a USA show? You bet your ass it is. You bet your sweet ass it is. Because it's, it's got that classic, we know drama type style to it. But yeah, so he's shaving and cutting his beard and everything. Now you zoom out and you see this is obviously being done in the stall of a bathroom. And he's pulling bags out of, you know, the water tank. So he actually has... Clothes hidden away, stashed away. He's taken off his orange jumpsuit and he's getting changed into what looks like a security guard. He effectively walks out out of the jail dressed up as a guard, uh, has a key card, swipes it, gets out, and then it opens up with the credits and it says says his name, which is... White Collar. Mr. White Collar. Mr. White Collar. <laughs> his name is Neil Caffrey. And then it goes down the list of all his charges. So it's like... Neil Caffrey, forgerer, grifter, blah, 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 counterfeiter, art enthusiast, etc. and so forth. So you know this guy has done a lot. And then we go to the credits they kind of have. Then the next thing we see is we see our next main character, an FBI agent named Peter Burke. He is working with a team. They're trying to crack a safe. And so they're working it. They get the pins all figured out. But in Peter's mind, he's kind of figuring out the numbers. And then he's figuring out what it is and it's like three two four and then he's like wait no hold on and then before anyone listens to him the guy opens up the safe and like 
effectively blows up. Not like a big explosion, but enough to damage what was ever in the safe because they were trying to catch a forger named the Dutchman. But he's like, well, what does three, two, you know, four spell out? And he's like, oh, FBI He's like, yeah. And so everyone's like, oh, he must have known we were coming. And you're like, you think? And he no has this shit. little no shit. Sure. Like he has this thing is like, how many of you guys went to Harvard? <laughs> and like they all raise their hands like, no, no, you shouldn't be raising your hand to this. <laughs> you shouldn't be proud of this. We got we got befuddled by this guy. So yeah, effectively, he gets a call because he was the guy. Peter Burke was actually the guy that arrested Neil Caffrey. And they let him know that, hey, he got out of jail. He broke out. And so. The marshals want him to come in since he's actually the guy that's caught him twice. Well, I guess he caught him the first time. And this is going to be his second time catching him. Uh, they're going through it. He's looking at his um, jail cell. And, you know, all the little clues are there how he um, got out. He used a cassette player to help program the key card and stuff like that. And... On his wall, he's been counting down every single day he's been in jail. So he has an entire wall of tally marks. He was in jail. He was sentenced for four years because of all the forgery and counterfeit charges. And he only had like a month left and he broke out. So they're like, why did he break out when he was almost done with his sentence and he was going to be free? Yeah, it's like, hmm, why did you do that? And so... They bring up the beard again, and I was like, oh, maybe it was the actually supposed to be a fake beard that he made, and he just, for whatever reason, decided to, like, cut and trim it. No, he actually did grow it out. <laughs> but the reason he started growing it out is because they take facial ID recognition every morning of the guests, so that's why when the cameras didn't catch him when he left, because it was an updated profile from the morning of when he had the beard. So... Peter Burke is like, hey, when did he start not shaving or anything like that? When when was the day he started actually growing it out? Because he knows Neil. He doesn't. He's clean shaven. He's very much kind of like a debonair kind of classy guy. So he wouldn't, you know, grow a beard. And so he sees the day and then he tracks all the information from that day. They find out that Neil's wife visited that same day when he started to nine. So it looked like they were having a fight or some sort of discussion. Peter lip reads and is like, I can tell you what she said. She said something along the lines of adios, Neil, it's been real. And so she's effectively leaving and she never comes back any day after that. And so that's why he broke out. And Neil's apparently a romantic. So Peter effectively just goes to their old apartment and finds Neil there just chilling in an empty apartment with a empty bottle wine bottle of Bordeaux or something like that I will say the way they show him like escaping and like being able to do all this stuff is pretty cool because he you know he gets out of jail he hot wires a car he ends up finding like a flea market buys a yellow jacket for three bucks and then goes to the airport where he there then steals a car looking like a valet and like get more money that way so he's doing all these kind of like Grifter, forgery, crime, crime. crime. <laughs> everything that you love. He's he's doing the heist without without even starting a heist. Being a con man, grifting people, manipulating people. What a good time. What a guy. What a great, How, what a great why time. Why would the wife leave him? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. I mean, she was staying with him all four years. Why all of a sudden did she also leave? Hmm? That's hmm. also part of the mystery for the entire pilot episode. 
so yeah, Peter's approaching him. He's like, ah, this is the second time I've caught you. And he's like, well, I'm not going to resist. Are they all who, who's all outside? He's like, oh, everyone, you know, we got the marshals, blah, blah, blah. You don't have a gun on you. And Neil's like, well, you know, I don't like guns. So we have a clean comment that doesn't believe in violence. He's very peaceful criminal. <laughs> a gentleman thief. A I gentleman mean, thief. Yeah. I feel like they really try to book him out as, again, this kind of debonair, suave, uh, blended yeah. white man. Yeah. Right. That that just mm-hmm. believes in manners and etiquette. Yeah. That's why I like it. It's. I, I loved uh, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. And already it has that vibe feel like, you know, in the latter half of that movie where they're starting to kind of figure out, you know, consultations and stuff. Which leads us to this where Peter has some like stuff left, like some debris on his jacket and everything on his suit after, you know, the Dutchman's safe blew up on him. So Neil notices something which looks like a weird red wire that no one could figure out what it was. And then Neil's like, if I tell you what this is, my condition is you meet me in a week's time. (laughs) And so he's like, well, if you're right, maybe I'll come see you. But then Neil's like, all right, well, that's all I needed. And oh, by the way, this is like the security wiring in the new Canadian $100 bills. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And so Neil goes off. He gets back in jail again. Then... We see him actually meet up. Turns out, yes, they he was right on the money. <laughs> that it's a, can, a new security for the $100 bill. Uh, don't you really let your eyes, Alex? You know you loved I'm it. I'm still recovering from it. Like, uh, it just... <sighs> stuck with you. <laughs> I hate it. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, because of that, Interval got involved because of the forgery effectively with this, and Canada's wondering how the hell this Dutchman guy got his hands on this, blah, blah, blah. So Neil was right, and so Peter goes to meet him and see what he wants to talk about, and Neil's like, hey, I know because I broke out, I'm going to get four years again and stuff like that, but what if I come work for you? What if you let me out and I just work for you as a consultant? And he actually proposes, you can put an ankle bracelet on me. You know, you can keep track of me, blah, blah, blah. I'll work with you. I just want to be out of jail. Peter's very hesitant at this first. He's like, well, even though this ankle bracelet that you proposed has a 100% rate of, you know, of non-tamperment or is impossible to tamper with, you'd be the guy to find the way. And he's like... Neil's like, you've been chasing this Dutchman guy for as long as you've chased me, and I know everything about your life, and you know everything about me, so it's kind of like that weird camaraderie between cops and thieves, like, they're, like, they got such a good dynamic already, just, like, being on the opposite side of the law type thing, and you're like, Mm -hmm. these guys would be best friends if it wasn't for, you know, crime. Crime. (laughs) Breaking the law. Breaking the law. And... Peter says no, uh, he he doesn't want to do this, so he lets Neil along his way. Neil gets really frustrated because he looks at his tally wall and he starts, like, scratching and, like, bashing it because now he has to start all over again. And you can tell, like, it's also really a thing that he wants to find out what happened to his wife. Like, she just up and vanished. He was, literally, when he got caught, when he escaped, he was able to escape within, like... 35 days after that that's how long it's been but he missed her by two days apparently and so he said no this empty 
wine bottle is effectively goodbye. This is her way of saying goodbye. You won't find me. So she's off in the wind, too. And even Peter is like, I don't know where she's at either. So she's in the wind. And then Peter goes home. He's having dinner with his wife, who is actually Tiffany Amber Thiessen, good old Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell. So I'm too young for this. I'm sorry. How dare you? Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> but she's the wife, and so I feel like she's going to have a fairly prominent role throughout the rest of the series. Because you don't get someone like that that has like kind of a standard you know, draw of fandoms to come in. But she talks to him and is like, well, you know, I've been competing for your affection or attention the last three years when you were chasing after Neil anyways. So, you know, they've been married for, it sounds like, 10 years. She kind of knows he's a cop and, or, you know, FBI. I hope she really knows he's a cop. Yeah. I, I hope mean, that's not like a moonlight. <laughs> no. I mean, like, th- he was a cop apparently before they even, like, got married and started dating. So she knows the job kind of comes first for him. He's cop is a personality trait in this case. Yes. Yes. It's like and she's supportive of it. She's not mm-hmm. like the the beleaguered wife sitting at home like, why can't you just come home? Why don't you just quit? Blah blah blah. She's like, well, I know how much this means to you and I know that had were the roles reversed or something like that, you know, she talks him into it effectively. So he goes back to the um jail the next day and it's like okay you're getting released but these are the conditions you need to forget about your wife i don't want you running off and then you're underneath my custody at all times we're wearing the tracker blah 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 Mm -hmm. and effectively because it cost them 700 dollars to facilitate neil in this federal prison that's how much they effectively have for his rent or for his living expenses so that's totally how it works 100 percent, completely Yeah. yeah Yeah, uh-huh, so uh-huh. they go to this, like, flea bag uh, motel <laughs> that it's just completely run down. The owner of it even has an ankle bracelet because he, <laughs> uh, he sees Neil itching at his ankle. And he's like, ah, it's like a wedding ring. You'll, it's itchy at first, but you'll soon forget about it. <laughs> and, and Neil's like, you know, Neil's a, a classy gentleman. And he's looking around. And he's like, this is garbage. Like, I don't want to live here. He's like, it's either this or the jail cell. And he's like, Peter's like, if you find a better offer for the same amount of money, go ahead and take it. I don't care. He has a two mile radius that he can travel in from the location. Otherwise the ankle bracelet goes off. And he's like, but I'm wearing the only clothes. Like there's a thrift shop right down the road. So there you go. (laughs) Knock yourself out, kiddo. Um, he does end up going to the thrift shop to find some clothes, so he's kind of looking around. This um, presumably like widowed heiress comes in and is starting to donate suits, and he comes up to uh, Neil comes up to this woman, giving him, and he's looking over the suits, and they are oh I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, it's a it's a I think it's a velour like Cy velour of like the Rat Pack. And it's nice. like, it's like an actual styled, like fitted thing. So he's talking with her about this. And so they're having a great interaction and it just shows how charming and like how knowledgeable he is about like classy, you know, upstanding life. Yeah. The riches. And funny enough, she's like, oh, well, I'm just glad I was able to find someone that, you know, appreciates this su- these suits as much as, you know, my husband did, Byron. And because he apparently he and she 
gambled even with Sai and the Rat Pack. So he's like loving this. He's like, oh my gosh, he's kind of swooning, becoming like a fanboy. Like, oh, you know the Rat Pack. That's amazing. So, but then she's like, well, I'm glad I found someone that would like these suits and stuff like that. I mean, I've got plenty more. They're just in a guest bedroom in my house. And then the next thing you know, Peter's going back to the flea bag apartment the next morning. There's a note for him said, Hey, I've moved 1.4 miles away. <laughs> and so he goes to this house and it's a legitimate mansion. Like it is this cornerstone mansion in New York city. And Peter's like, what the fuck did he do? <laughs> like what the shit is this? A maid answers the door for him. And then he goes up to the top floor. There's a, you know, skyscraper horizon view of New York and Neil's out there just like in a comfortable robe, eating breakfast, having some Italian roasted coffee and everything like that. And he's like, what did you do? He's like, nothing. I just, she had a guest bedroom and you said, if I got an option, take it. And Peter's like frustrated at this point because he's like, he's living so well right now for just getting out of jail. And, you know, and he's like, I help around. I, you know, I'll clean, I'll wash dishes. And he's like, you know, make himself but presentable. But he's like, a, you know, just a little home guest, homely guest painter and helping out around the house. He's like, and then I look after her granddaughter and Peter's like, oh, so you're babysitting now. And then comes in this like dime of a woman that's like maybe 28 fine like model heiress mm -hmm. and he's like that's her isn't it <laughs> like yeah this is this is claire or whomever her name is cindy or something like that but peter's like ah, get dressed let's go because <laughs> they're like gonna go do the crime peter sits down has a cup of coffee the the widow comes by and drops off the cup of coffee and he's like and of course the coffee is this freaking good. So he's just like upset. He's like just frustrated. Dream he, life happening. Yeah, right? yeah. He's just so frustrated. And he talks to Neil about that because he's like flipping around in the suit and he has like the Rat Pack hat and everything. He's got the fedora that he's playing around with just having fun. He's like, stop it. You. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe you have like this livelihood because... I'm on this side of the law and I can barely afford like my house. So he's like showing like, you know, there's you as a criminal shouldn't be able to afford type stuff like this. Whereas I'm an, you know, a man of the law and I'm still like upstanding citizen. Yeah. He doesn't like good stuff. And yep. And I, I haven't gotten anything like this ever to break for me, but a little interaction and they go along their way. They end up going to, airport customs because they had gotten a tip off they had been monitoring for keywords because the dutchman actually is using that name and a couple other ones one of the keywords they had been like listening in for was snow white for some sort of forgery or some sort something that he's been planning they get to the airport and there is trunks like 600 of these snow white and the seven dwarves books from spain like this guy is like a antique book specialist that's bringing these in and they're like this is what we got flagged about. And they're like, this is weird. There's nothing here. These are like, they're, they aren't even rare books, but the bookseller is getting a little shifty so that he goes in to interview him and everything. And so Peter's like, Hey, why are you doing this? This is kind of weird. Why do you have $600 of the, or 600 of these books? If you sell rare antiquities, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, Snow White's not owned by Disney. These are like original, Porcelain, 
we see a little bit of obviously Peter's education because he's able to retort back to this. Uh, then the book owner's lawyer comes in and says, hey, you're not allowed to talk to him. And then Peter leaves and he's upset because he's like, why the hell didn't I get notified about the lawyer? And then they're looking over the books with Neil and Neil's like, hold on, 1944. They find like the publishing date and they look at the paper. And so they kind of have an idea that whatever maybe the Dutchman's planning, he needed paper or parchment from these books from something for 1944. And so they're trying to piece that all together. That's when they realize the lawyer actually wasn't the lawyer because no one got notified. No one called the lawyer. And so they run and they find the book owner dead with a needle injection in his neck. And they're like, ah, where'd he go? So the the crime's afoot. Ah. Ah, game's afoot, Watson. (laughs) So they try to figure out what's going on from there. So they look in the book owner's life he had just gotten back from Spain, obviously, with all these books, but they were trying to figure out where he had been before he left. Before he left, he had made a couple of a couple of visits to not necessarily like the Smithsonian or anything, but he went to one of these museums and he actually viewed a parchment, which I can't recollect. It's like a contract or a bond from Spain during the Spanish War from like you know, 1944 or something like that, or 1844, whatever the year was. But Something um, 44. Yeah, something 44, something of a, the particular date. And effectively, it's a it's an actual bond that could still be used and, like, cashed in. And it, the rumor is this was the only discovered bond in this museum. There were theories that there were chests of these located in the... Ca- caverns and caves of spain but just haven't ever been found so they're trying to piece this together and then neil's like well that's interesting because this one's a forgery (laughs) and they're like what no this one's been here for like you know 15 years and it's like uh no this has been here not more than a week which was the last time the book owner visited because he's looking it over and he can like smell and see that like the gumming ink residue hasn't fully dried and you can still smell it and that's where we end the episode, because they decided to do a two-parter, so. But that's one hell of a pilot-ish. Yeah. Half of a pilot, yeah. right? Yeah, half of a pilot. Like I said, I was, I, I mentioned to you, like, I was like, oh no, it's a two-parter. And I want to talk about it more, because they have a lot more stuff on the back end. And I, I did watch it, but I can't talk about it here. I mean, if you watched is, it. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I watched it. I would say... The Dutchman, or the guy they figure out, guess who's the, the guest star for that character? Who is it? It's Mark Shepard, our very favorite ah! Cra- Crowley. <laughs> and I was Jean like, Parmesan. Ah, Parmesan. <laughs> I was like, ah, damn, so you got him for this, which is kind of a bummer because it's the question of, do they try to somehow get him reprised into this role later on, or bring him back in some capacity i feel like you could use him for so much more but maybe they will maybe they won't i don't know boy do i like mark shepherd he's fun agreed i've seen little bits of this but i never got super sucked into it which sounds weird because i know this is all very on brand for alex yes um, well and like i said it's kind of on brand for me too because i like the the cleverness of it and i've seen like maybe 10 15 minutes of the show total like maybe somewhere in between but yeah, I, I enjoy it so far, and I'll definitely probably keep with it. 
Well, that's good. I think for me, and I, it's so hard for me to pin down what it is about I don't like, but USA shows, there's just a quality to them. The cinematography is usually pretty good. The editing, the dialogue's okay. It's, I don't think it's any worse than any other network TV show, right? No, yeah. But there's just something about the shows that get on USA that I'm generally not a big fan of. That's and fair. I, I, I can joke, like, oh, it's a USA show. Like, I could tell you without even telling you. <laughs> <laughs> What's a USA show without telling me it's a USA show? Yeah. But... I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, it was fun. And, you know, it does fit in that. I think, you know, USA with those TV shows they had at the time, Suits, White Collar, Royal Pains, all that. I feel like it definitely has its demographic based off of the style, similar to like Burn Notice and all that stuff. They they have that stuff. So, but yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I I think for what it is, again, I think it definitely helps that. Matt Bomber is one of the the main actors in it. I've always enjoyed him. I feel like I know the other guy from a few things, but I don't recall anything he's specifically been in. There's another secondary character that's like the probationary detective that works with Peter. She's actually the wife from The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. And so the, the hit film. Yeah, the hit film. And she's been in obviously a couple other things, but that's the thing that I immediately recognized her from. Mm-hmm. But she she has a pretty cool like layout um, around her, so I feel like she's going to be a continuing character after the pilot. So I feel like we got our main cast from from everything that I discussed in the first episode and then there's like one other character that pops up in the part two of this that I think he sticks around for because I've seen him in like the other 15 minutes of this show that I've seen before. So backing up a little bit, mm-hmm. you said like you recognized a guy but wasn't really sure. You're talking about Peter, right? Yep. So the actor's name is Tim Decay and mm-hmm. he was in Lucifer. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for two oh. episodes as Christian Ward, which is like, my guess is probably... Yeah, I think he that's was, probably what I know from him. Fucking A, he was in Chuck. He was Kyrian Riker. Oh. He was in Scrubs, Mr. Hill. Mmm. So he was in a lot of stuff that you, I, I know you watched. Yeah, so I feel like this is obviously kind of like his big uh, main leading cast. He was in My Name is Earl and Carnival. Oh, he was like a main character in Carnival, apparently. Oh. Which has been on my list to watch in a while. He had an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. He was an episode of Friends. That's Mark. Wow. He's yeah. So he's got a he's got a list of of credits. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, I think this obviously was kind of like his bigger lead that he's had in in any of them because it looks like a lot of them are like one episodes. Yeah, one offs and stuff like that. But that's cool that he had this, and that's why I recognize him because he did pretty good stuff as like you know a extra actor or guest actor looks like he's now on the expanse too for a few episodes mm, okay i do like the expanse that's that's another one that's on my list that i need to watch season three first here we come <laughs> we already got our first two episodes planned out just from this episode huzzah yay well cool i really enjoyed listening to you talk about it i Again, it's very on brand. I love this genre of show, even though I don't like this show necessarily. Mm -hmm. I remember watching this first episode, and I think it's probably much as much as I've watched maybe another one or two past it. Um, But yeah, no, I think it it checks a lot of boxes. Is there anything that you wish it had more of? Mm, 
I think obviously since it's a two-parter, they're dealing with this case. It's going to be, you know, a weekly, you know, crime of the week type thing, I'm sure. There's obviously going to be the underlying thing, because in the part two, they deal with one one of Neil's buddies that comes and helps out. He was able to find a picture of his wife, and it looks like someone may ha- someone else may have found her. All there is is just a picture of a hand on her shoulder with a ring. So we're like, ah, so this is probably another baddie that will be a long extended out thing for either the series or season. Was so, that Maz who helped him out? Yep, Maz. And he's been in a lot of stuff, too, and you would recognize. I think he was in Sex and the City and stuff like that. I think that's what I remember him from. But yeah, so he's kind of saying he's not necessarily looking for her anymore, but he definitely is. So Peter and Neil trust each other, but they're still kind of like keeping things from each other, it sounds like. Not necessarily Peter, I think. The second episode is dealing is him dealing with what he needs to do for his anniversary for his wife. So that's why I think she's going to be a bigger part, because it creates some comedy for them where Neil's trying to help him figure out what to do for... uh you know, an anniversary and stuff like that. And so they have digs and remarks to each other. But again, they could be best friends if they weren't on the wrong side of the law. <laughs> it's like odd couple, but buddy cop. Yep. Cr- the crime odd couple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's good. I As for what, I, what you could have more of, I think they've kind of got the formula already battened down. For what USA shows, I feel like they always kind of have it pretty well nailed down for what they want to do without a whole lot of plot holes or subplot that they're trying to mesh in there. You know, with Monk, it was always the mystery of the dead wife. With Suits, it's this lingering suspicion that, you know, the guy's not a real lawyer. This one is there's a missing wife that's probably going to be maybe more involved with crime than maybe even Neil is or something or so forth, or there's consequences for Neil being in jail. Who knows? So out of, hmm, out of 10 fedoras, (laughs) what do you give the show? I'd probably give it, I'd give it a nine out of 10. You know, I don't think I'm always the guy to necessarily, you can tell me in the comments below. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I'm ever accurate about this, but I don't think I'm normally the guy that always gives a show 100%, and I feel like there's obviously room for improvement. The The fake beard docked it, the one, docked it the one point it needed to be a perfect show. <laughs> the only time I think I, I've been able to tease you about the never 100% was, I, I can't remember what show you did actually end up giving 100%. If it was like right on the tail of you being like, I will never give a show 100%. Yeah. Never, never, ever. In the very next episode, 10 out of 10. I'm like, what 10 the out of 10. What? Yeah. It's what they've come to expect of me. Expect the unexpected. That's right. That is the um, white key collar, to you comedic timing. Yep. White collar, you could have had a 10 out of 10 if you had just hidden away the prosthetic of the beard a little bit better. Just a little so, better. That's all I'm saying. It literally looks like you have to go back and watch the first five minutes of it just because it. You can, I don't want to. It's going to make me mad. You can blatantly see it. And I literally was like, hold on, wait a second. I rewound five seconds. Just like, yep, nope, that's what I thought it was. Okay. You <laughs> Carry know how, on. You know how easy it is to make me mad for like dumb things in TV. I don't need to actively seek it out. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> uh, it was good, though. Yeah, and like you said, cin- cinematography was good. They had a great uh, thing with it, too. I think it was in that like second episode where... 
he opens the door and the camera is actually like on the you know side view mirror effectively so you're swinging open with the door and everything and seeing the action with that that was pretty cool but overall i I enjoyed it good part one was a good pilot episode like i said it had me hooked just like uh, you know when a good pilot should Mm -hmm. just like when you guys had the buffy the vampire slayer two-parter so oh back in the day back in the the day That's almost been five years now. It's been 20 years. It's been t- no one's thought about season one of first in 20 years. <laughs> oh no. That's, this is how time works. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, we, season one of first is in the eye of Jeremy Barramy. <laughs> oh, so we're just Tuesdays? Yeah, we're just Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Now, time to change our release date to Tuesdays. Yes. Just for the last two episodes. Just for the last two episodes. <laughs> no, I can't. I, like, it just, I got... <laughs> I don't even post anymore. John has been amazing and been taking over and been doing our show notes the last few because my spoons have been super duper low and John's been great about it. But John, please, please, dear God, release it on a Friday. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just like, take a minute? I feel like I know we talk about John in brief and passing a lot. But again, as we as we get to the end of our season, John has been a super huge help in first since season one. And he just keeps getting better all the time. He's super awesome about making sure that that he is really good about timelines and that if he if he does miss something, he's crunched. Uh or actually our holiday special. Um even he though he got that not on a week. Like yeah. less. Well, and even like less because we had it up, but then he and I had a miscommunication because I, as the producer, did not do a good enough job communicating. This whole season's been bad. I need to let you all know the the poor releases, anything that's been delayed has been 100% on me for delaying it. But John has been super great about communicating. And he, once he found out, like, oh, yeah, actually, Alex wanted this Star Wars special to head up on Christmas, on that Christmas Friday. And he's like, oh, shit, I only have like three, four days. I'm like, then do not worry about it because I'm not going to make you crunch during holiday week, right? That's insane. I'm not that kind of boss. And he's like, no, no, I got this. And he's still cranked it out during like holiday week. So mm-hmm. I just, um, John's really cool. He's really chill. He's great to work with. And if you're all looking for a podcast editor, you should totally hit him up. Yes. Which we have a link in our show notes for that. Huzzah. So thanks, John. Thanks, John. You make me sound less stupid than I actually am. I appreciate it. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> Oh goodness. Okay. Do you want to know? I mean, have you have you seen Veronica Mars? I've seen as much of Veronica Mars as I have of White Collar before. Now, I know I'm, of it. I'm going to need you to watch Veronica Mars because this is very also on brand for you. Perfect. I was watching this and I was like, mm. Mm-hmm. 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 These pair up well. This mm-hmm. is on brand. This is good. And Ethan needs to watch this if he hasn't yeah. already. So let me grab my notes. Also, kudos to Ethan, who, like, never has fucking notes and does it all from the top of his head. I wish I had that kind of memory. I know you just watched it today, but Mm -hmm. I can't remember the shit that I watched today, so... Like I said, I can remember it for a day, (laughs) and then if you had asked me tomorrow, I would have been like, oh yeah, that was a show I was watching. (laughs) Like I said at the beginning, hey, oh, what episodes did I watch? I don't remember. (laughs) What shows? Some some amount. What shows? There's some there. (laughs) Okay, so this show came out early 2000s um the date that i have on here is 2006 but i saw something about 2004 and 2007 we will get into this mm-hmm. for i know people who are you are veronica mars fans they're called marshmallows and like there is a whole fandom behind veronica mars so i know by it's talking a, it's about got this quite the cult following it's going to be welcoming in 
a lot of challenges. And if you're new here and you stumbled upon this, first off, I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Second off, I need you all to be aware that unlike other episodes, I I pretty much enjoyed Veronica Mars, so I don't have like a whole lot of heated, angry stuff to say, but I'm going to get names wrong. There's going to be vague approximations of a lot of things. It's not a comment on your fandom. And third, and third of all, she's not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry whatsoever. <laughs> not even a little bit. Okay, so Ethan, we start out and uh, we it establishes real quick, real fast. We are in Neptune, California. The main character, Veronica Mars, she's attending this high school and you either are belong to a family of millionaires or you work for millionaires. There's no middle class, right? It is just a lot of money everywhere. Because it's California, Neptune, California. What a cool name for like a city. And, yeah. Right? And if you belong to the group of people who work for millionaires, that means after school you are working at movie theaters or gas stations. She's like, but what I do, basically she's a PI. And that's like the entire concept of the show is it's teenage PI, private investigator. Um, and so she is getting out of her car. She's going to school and you see a, uh, a kid, a black kid s- stuck to a flagpole taped up and on his chest spare chest is written the word snitch and people are making fun of him and there's some comment about like oh yeah it looks like he got in trouble with the local biker gang and veronica like has no time for this bullshit ends up coming up to him and slices the tape and it's like yeah fuck it fuck off you guys you had your show we're done here get out of here go go away so snitch's name is wallace a lot of this, like, it's it's a 45-minute episode or 30, 45-minute episode. So there's a lot. I will say they pack a lot of information this amount of time where there's times where I was pausing to take notes. I'm like, oh, shit, it's only been a minute. And here's, like, this three, four lines I felt <laughs> the need to write about. But it didn't feel overwhelming, like, as a viewer. It only felt overwhelming when I was trying to take notes about it. So they do a good job of balancing and trying to give you enough plot, but also not making you feel like you're dumb for not being able to keep up. At least I liked it. Gotcha. So the pacing was good enough that you could still carry with it and then make your own assumptions and everything too they do a real good job of making it a pilot intro origin but also making it a noir story okay so uh, right now we're like in the prologue right but they end up making this noir story happen and i was super impressed by it so the next thing you see after she cuts the uh, wallace down is that uh, she's asleep in class and it's clearly an honors english class and the teacher comes up and it's like oh veronica mars i'm volunteering you she pops her head up she quotes whatever the thing is that needs to be quoted like perfectly you see everyone like roll their eyes and groan because she's just a smart kid bored in class and uh teacher asks like okay but what does that actually mean she gives some kind of snotty short edgy answer and teacher's like yes okay good job wonderful here's what it actually means or like here's here's the eloquent version of it and we carry on so we already know that she's a smart kid she is kind of a delinquent but not enough for teachers to be concerned about because she actually has, has i say actually i believe a lot of kids who are delinquents in school they're just going through a lot of home trauma or uh, s- social trauma i have a lot of views on that here too we'll get there <laughs> so then our, our next thing here is that they're they're talking about drug searches and you know it's the mid-2000s so the war on drugs principal is just randomly popping open lockers they go to her locker and turns out she was aware of it before it happened. She cleared out her entire locker, and like the only thing that's in there's a heart picture of the principal. And she's like, "This is so embarrassing." <laughs> so then, the next scene we have here is getting some more background information. You find out that her dad used to be the sheriff, and she used to date the popular boy, and they she used to be part of the popular crowd. And it's not that she really had a lot of money; it's just that she was the sheriff's daughter, and that came with a lot of its own perks, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so she is thinking about how this was a perfect life until her boyfriend broke up with her. And now she's no longer welcome in that group. And they kind of tease her, make fun of her. And she's now an outsider in this group. And as you start seeing these flashbacks, two very big character differences are happening. When you see her in current time, she's short, that mid-2000s cute. Like, I, I call it pixie haircut. It's not the short pixie. It's the, like, you know, bobby that's flipped out. It looks like pixie hair. Not mm-hmm. Tinkerbell, but pixie. Um, and, but in all of her flashbacks, she has this long, blonde, golden hair and very much preppy clothing. And now she's wearing, like, an army jacket and, like, edgy kids clothes, right? Yeah. A lot of black and green and just edgy kids. The, yeah. the fucking Indie. 2000s leather bracelets oh, and the choker. Yeah. yeah. It's, if you... Uh, this was... So whenever this came out, I did the math, right? And I was like, okay, shit, I would have been in middle school. Like, she was in high school, sure, but, like, it was just enough that same kind of fashion. Like, oh, I wore that shit. I fucking yeah. wore that. It hurt a little bit. <laughs> and so as she's, like, reminiscing about how she used to be one of the popular kids, Wallace sits down next to her, and she's like, well, what the fuck are you doing sitting here? And they kind of have some banter back and forth. That's a lot of this. It's that these two get along well. There's a little bit of banter. Biker gang comes up. And this is what I notice a trend. I think like this is the third time maybe we've even mentioned it this this season of Latinx male gang leader flirting with white pretty female protag. And I think of weeds, I think of good girls, and it just is this trope that I'm getting more and more aware of and makes me more and more uncomfortable with <laughs> because I think that is just a really shitty stereotype at this yeah. point. I mean, it's a shitty stereotype without it, right? Like, it doesn't matter that he's flirting right. with a white woman. That, that's, yeah. by God, I'm realizing how bad this is coming out. But, like, the idea <laughs> that... Um, Alex, you're a terrible person. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, God, people might think I'm racist. That's not the, that's not the racist thought. What I'm saying is that for writers, like, the only way to liberate white women is for them to be with Latinx criminals. Like, it is this bizarre thing that's happening as far as like crime stories go and i would really like to do a deeper dive about more of that meaning behind it and where that message starts um but that's not this right now just know be aware that like alex is only waking up to it and you can consume it in your media and maybe have your own thoughts about it anyways so (laughs) biker guy comes over and he starts bullying wallace again and Veronica just basically is like, fuck off, get out of here, whatever. And he tries to be like, oh yeah, well, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I got a big dick. I'm so much better. I'm amazing. Uh, blah, blah. She's like, oh yeah, you got a big dick? Let's see it. And he's like, wait, what? She's like, oh yeah, if you got such a big dick, what are you embarrassed about? Come on, I want to see it. it. Out. Like, yeah, give it, like, let me see it. Let me see how big it is. And then he's like, no, I'm not going to show it to you. So one of his dude bros is like, come on, man. If you won't do it, I will. And she's like, see, even he wants to see your big dick. What's the, what are you, what are you, chicken shit? Like, <laughs> And I think this is, like, the moment when I always knew she was a very witty, sarcastic, funny, smart character. And you're seeing these moments already build up. Like, ah, yes, I see why there's a fandom behind this character. Like, it's it's well written. So you find out the reason that these biker guys are picking on Wallace is because he works at a 7-Eleven, basically. And they started robbing his store. So he immediately hit the button, the secret security buzzer. And they came up and paid him for the goods but they gave him a dollar that's it so technically they paid him and he accepted the money but they left stealing a lot of stuff right right yeah and so sheriff comes and it's no longer her dad it's someone else right someone else has replaced her dad she's like former sheriff of the town and he's a grade a dickbag so he drags out wallace into the parking lot where this entire biker gang is and he says well they say they paid for it did they pay for it well, yes, technically. Oh, so you're saying that they're liars? No, it's not that. But they took more stuff 
and but he like doesn't stand up for himself. He's just like, yeah, they paid for it. That's it. They, they paid for it. It was my mistake. I accidentally hit the button. And he's like, great. So he called me out here for nothing. Goes the sheriff goes inside, grabs the security tape, leaves, and so. He, Veronica makes some comment like, oh yeah, no, you make fun. Or you, you pissed off the biker gang and the sheriff in one night? Good job. Way to go. Nice. Proud um, of you. Right? So, uh, there's some more filler here. You're getting, like, she's having these, what you come to find out, are pretty much PTSD flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets triggered pretty easily. And she's thinking about her boyfriend in a pool. Being like, oh babe, this is our song. She thinks of her mom surprising her with a birthday party at one point. What other things? Just just like these really weird cutscenes to give more the filler. She goes to the beach, at the beach with her dog. She sees Wallace flying a drone. And then like the next cutscene is her at, at an office. And it's her dad's private investigator firm office. He's in with a client. A lawyer comes in. And it's like, weird, Veronica, that your da- dad's always with a client. He's always on a job. And yet he always gets these jobs done. Like, he has a lot more workload than what people like could accomplish and she's like yep he's just really good at what he does you find out obviously she's helping her dad help her dad with these cases and this lawyer brings up the fact that oh yeah hey here's the latest case there's a stripper who is wanted for vandalizing a laundromat for stealing her quarters she like basically took a golf club to it or something destroyed destroyed a washing machine but she's willing to tell us about the strip club she works at and that they still have their liquor license despite having really lax ID, like ID regulations. Yeah. And so she's willing to talk to us about this to make a deal uh, so that she has less time. Cool, great. That's what I thought the main plot was going to be. It is not. That is just a crime that's happening in the background. You see the client leave after the lawyer leaves, and it's this woman, and I'm pretty sure she plays the main mean teacher in uh, Chilling, Ab- Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I didn't double check, though. I do not know the actress's name. I just got the same vibe. And she's like, I hate you. I wouldn't be here unless I absolutely had to be and I despise you. And she <laughs> flounces off in Rich. Uh, it turns out that she is married to Jake Kane, who's like a millionaire in the area. Like, they're all millionaires, but he's a big millionaire. And Veronica used to be best friends with their daughter, Lily. Last time she talked to her friend, Lily, she's like, oh my god, I have such a big secret to tell you, but I'm gonna tell you later because we're busy, we're doing a car wash school stuff and we can't really talk right now and I'll talk to you later tonight. Bye! Oh yeah, by the way, it's Karen from Mean Girls. Who's done a lot of other stuff. I'm like, oh, look, it's Karen. So Lily ends up being murdered that night before Veronica gets a chance to talk to her. Uh And you find out that this was like a murder that was splashed all over the place. And what got to be more known was that the bungling sheriff, her father, fucked up the case. He went after Jake Kane and assumed that he was the one that did it. Could not prove it. They ended up proving that it was an ex-worker of his company who was mad about being fired, who then killed Lily, her best friend, Jake Kane's daughter. He loses his job over this. He loses his status. Because of all the fallout of this, the mom ends up leaving, saying, peace, I don't, we don't have money, we don't have status, I'm gone, see you later. And so, like, that all kind of happens in this one little cutscene, right? You find out that her best friend died. So she used to be a popular kid, got broken up with out of the middle of nowhere. And again, you don't know a really timetable when that is currently in the pilot. Right. Her best friend was brutally murdered. It was known everywhere. It was known that her dad was the one going after his family or after her family. So these people that used to be really close are no longer close. It's it's bad. It's like just this teenager is going through a lot of trauma, right? Yeah. And let's say that. She's going through a lot of trauma. Actually, I'm going to hold off on the trauma speech for a minute. <laughs> There's more to come. There's so, more. 
dad gets a, a job somewhere in Texas and she's helping. He's like, oh yeah, by the time you get to the airport, I'll have your flight figured out. And he's like, okay, good. Don't go work on that Kane case. Because turns out, again, it was a wife of Kane who came in for this meeting and she thinks he's cheating on her. And so she's like, don't check it out. Don't worry about it. And then he kind of comes back in camera's like, okay, but if you do check it out, make sure you bring up backup. And she's like, of course I'll bring backup, dad. Turns out backup is the name of her dog. So the next scene is her, it's like one o'clock in the morning. She has been shadowing Jake Kane. He does go to a shady motel and she gets pictures of license plates and the biker gang shows up right there to like harass her about stuff. And so they try to harass her. That's when you find out the dog's name is backup because the dog just jumps out of the car, takes down one of the guys who's trying to harass her. And it's like, backup, chill. And for a minute when she said backup, chill, I thought backup was a command, like, mm, back off, like, yeah. chill. And no, the dog's name is backup. It's very cute. That's awesome. And so they're kind of going back and forth again, banter, being aggressive towards one another. And she eventually says, hey, how do you feel about if I can get your guys off clear? Will you leave me and Wallace alone if I can get you guys off this, this arrest charge, basically? And they're like, well, yeah, talk to me more about it. But before that, he makes a shitty comment saying, oh, yeah, uh, why do you want to help that kid anyways? I hear you lay pipe really well. And like, there's a lot of these comments kind of hitting her repeatedly about like what a slut she is, right? And she takes it in stride when talking to people like, yeah, sure. So whatever the fuck you want about me. And so like the biker gang runs off and then she has this dialogue of, which is going to be my trigger warning here and now, where we have a flashback about date rape. And so she says, so... Do you want to know how I lost my virginity? Well, I would too. And you find out that kind of after a lot of the, the breakup happened, but not I don't think the best friend died. Either way, like a lot of this bad stuff was happening. She wasn't really welcome in that group anymore. That she went to a party to prove like, screw these guys. I know what's up. Like, I, I don't need to worry about their rumors. I'm a strong person and I can go to this big giant house party. And she's like, I don't remember who handed me that drink. I wish I did. And basically she woke up the next morning in a bed. Uh, underwear was off and like that's that's like just what she wrote and she makes some comment too about she never told her dad because i wasn't sure what he would do but it doesn't matter because i'm no longer that girl and so i i'm gonna start just like have an interjection here just to kind of talk about trauma and sexual assaults and i think that line was more powerful than they know necessarily particularly for 2004 I, huh, as someone who was sexually assaulted, like, I get that to a point that I almost started crying when I heard it. And it is such a a true statement that is sad. And then um, I had a lot more empathy for this character almost immediately. First, me thinking, like, okay, I'm not sure if it's male writers, but it seems like it's male writers trying to write an edgy white teenage girl, yeah, right? Badass girl. And then, like, it clicks in place. Like, oh, shit, she cut her hair after that event. She used to be this, like, really prim proper kind of person but now she's this edgy hard and it's like of course she's protecting herself because she was so traumatized and such a youthful age where all that development stuff is happening and no one could really protect her and she didn't feel like she could be protected by people and you find out later in the episode too that instead of talking to her dad about this she went directly to the courthouse wanted directly to the police uh, i always call it the cop house the precinct and told them Hey, I want to report a crime. She's like still in the party dress that she was there. She goes to talk to the new sheriff and the new sheriff is like, what? So you want me to round up all the rich sons in the neighborhood? Your family just wants to destroy this, this, this community. There's no way you have no evidence, which is to say you can, 
if you are ever in this case, you can get a rape kit. Be sure to go get a rape kit as soon as possible. And I know there's a lot of issues within our justice system and on how those get processed, but the very least what you can do is get that done. But it's also shitty because we have these rape kits, but they are super invasive. They ask you a lot of questions. They take a lot of time. And it's just, it's shitty. It's such a shitty thing to happen to you. Then you have to be re-traumatized right out of the gate again. But it's the best way that we have currently, if you are able to, to help bring those fuckers to jail where they deserve to be. So to hear the sheriff be like, you have no evidence. I'm like, it happened within 24 hours. You had evidence. You got and the so kit. <laughs> it's, it's very frustrating, particularly now. And it's, you know, 2004, we didn't have quite the awareness that even though we had the technology, we didn't still quite have the, the awareness that we do now. It's, it was just a really hard scene. And just that line of, I'm no longer that girl was so impactful and made me so sad for her too like it's not just that she's no longer that girl she's like she literally had her innocence taken from her and so many ways within like you get the feeling of like six months a year right yeah it just it's that is so hard so no wonder she's also being written as this like young adult she's supposed to be 15 16 years old but she's written like a 25 30 year old it's because she had to grow up quick i got a lot more feelings about this episode and the writing of this than i thought i would and I'm sure I'm not gonna be like, because of my experiences. <laughs> Sorry, and now I have to start laughing about it because it is a, it's a sensitive subject that people can't possibly understand with that, like the, the impact, but it did because of my experiences, it had that impact on me. So whether they meant it to or not, it was a really good collection of scenes. Um, so moving on off my, my soapbox about it, the next scene really that you get is that she's at school and she's being harassed by the group of people that she used to hang out with. Logan seems to be the main guy. He hangs out with her ex-boyfriend and a few other dudes. I think maybe the brother of the, the dead sister, the dead friend is also, excuse me, is also part of that rat pack. Uh, and so he's just delivering stingers left, right, and center. Like, oh yeah, do you want to skip after school? Let's go, let's skip class and go surfing. Hey, bro, flex for your ex. And he's like, dude, fuck off. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. And Logan keeps just pushing and pushing and pushing and makes some comment about like, oh yeah, have you seen your mom? Or you, or here, have some hooch. I can't like a flask. Here's some hooch. Why don't you take a drink? You are your mother's daughter, right? And like, it makes some comment about how the fact that she hasn't seen her mom, like she has no idea where her mom is. And that's true. She hasn't, you find out she hasn't seen her mom in eight months and has no idea. The last thing that her mom did was leave a unicorn music box with a note saying, I'll come back for you. And that scene, she like throws away the music box. We have some more filler. She's, you know, more bantering with Wallace. Uh, she talks to, I think, like a yearbook guy or there's, I, I'm taking notes as fast as I can at this point. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. And so she asks like for help on something. And then we have another cutscene, or you find out like her, her hobby is photography. She's a PI. Of course it fucking is. Next cutscene, or next scene we have, is that Dad comes back with a big payday from this thing that happened in Texas. Um, she shares her notes about Kane, and as she's like showing him the pictures of the license plates, because she's like, I, I didn't want to, I didn't get any like money shots. I didn't see who was actually in the hotel with him, but I did get these pictures of these license plates. He's looking at them. He's like, okay, we can close this case. I know who he's seeing. Stay the fuck away from Kane. Stay away. Stay away from that. Get away, get away, get away. And she's like, that's weird. Why are you being such a hard ass about this? She's like, stay away from Kane. Whatever you do, do not get involved. So she's like, okay, well, if I can't follow up on that, I'll go ahead and follow up on the stripper case. So back in the case about the, the laundromat, you see her outside the, the strip club. And then we see more of this kind of role happen where they're like, oh, yeah, we, we have this noir story. So let's let's speed it up a little bit. 
and we have again these like small scenes right so next time you see her at school she is with wallace and she's like okay phase one let's let's go let's do this and there's a random drug search and it's on logan's locker and he thinks he's free and clear they open it and it's a bong there's a bong inside the locker he it's not his um you find out that it was a yearbook kid or art class kid some kind of artsy kid gave it to them to plant into the locker so he gets taken away for having drugs in school and it turns out then that wallace had filled the bong with smoke bombs so then while it was taken to the the precinct that they set off the bombs thanks to like drone technology smoke goes everywhere and firefighters come over, they put out the fire, and then you, you hear Veronica say, not everyone in my town hates my dad, there's still people who like my dad, and so then they do a switcheroo. The firefighter gives her an evidence envelope, and for me, I'm like, I'm not sure what the fuck kind of switcheroo is happening right now. <sighs> Pause that, just real brief, because then the next thing you find out is her, she's, she's on a roll, right? So she is deciding to go back and do a, a call-in on the license plate that her dad said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Get out of here. Do not pass go. Don't do it. So she then has the accent of the, the, basically the receptionist at the precinct. Her name's Inga. And for people who are Kristen Bell fans, oh yeah, by the way, if you haven't watched this before, Kristen Bell's the main character of the fucking show. She has been on record of, she repeats everything. Like she's miserable to watch TV with because she'll just repeat every single line. She'll sing stuff. If it's an accent, she'll do it. So she is just kind of a a real kenku and mimics people constantly so she's like able to she does this really nice german accent in my opinion and i for me i'm like oh yeah i get it it's like because kristen bill fan anyways it's just a fun aside and so she finds out this license plate belongs to her mother so her mother is in town has not has not spoken to her in eight months and is possibly most likely cheating with with jake kane yep horrible and so she asks her dad again hey what's up with that license plate yeah, I ran it, and that's what I thought it was. It's a corporate ex- espionage. Nothing for you to worry about. He's just a bad guy. Please don't get involved. So dad's lying to her, like, when he clearly knows it's it's the mom that's in town. So she goes back to the courthouse again, and that's when you get the I want to report a crime, where she went directly to, to the courthouse after the, the night uh, of the incident. And this is when I start to understand the switcheroo, because she's like, oh yeah, hey, what's courtroom is this going down in oh yeah courthouse three and so she goes and you see dickbag sheriff in there and he's like oh yeah we have the vhs tape of this event right let's go ahead and play it and when they play it it's a video i'm not sure if it's him i think it is but it's it's a cop escorting a stripper out of the strip club right in front of it in the cop car brings her into the car and he gets a blowjob and so, whoa so she got the video of that right the video that she actually has is from the security tape of the gas station. And that's basically what happens. They set up this elaborate ruse. The firefighter helps switch it out. She then goes to the beach. It's friendo time. She gives Wallace the tape saying, yeah, here you go. And this is where the, the marshmallow thing, it, this is where it is. Because he tells her, oh, Veronica Mars, you're just, you like to pretend you're an angry girl. But really, you're a slightly less angry girl on the inside who wants to bake me something. You're, you're a marshmallow, you're a Twinkie. So this is kind of the origin of calling fans the marshmallows. So then they like have this clip of them flying the drone together, and Logan shows up. He's on her car, and he's 
pissed off. He has this whole gang with him. And he's like, hey, do you know what your prank cost me? And she makes some witty remark. And he's like, nope, bashes a headlight out. She makes another remark. He bashes a headlight out. And they're like going back and forth when all of a sudden, biker gang shows up. Out of nowhere, biker gang shows up. Biker leader is like, hey, this is weird. I didn't authorize this vandalism. What All vandalism has to go through me first. And Logan's like, oh shit, man. Like, ah, don't worry about it. Like, we, we, we could be cool. I'm sorry. Whatever. And so he grabs the, the cl- golf club that he was bashing her car with and goes to the car they arrived in, which happens to be Logan's mom's car, I guess. <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, dude, you can't do that. This is mom's car. She can bill me and starts just whacking the hood a few times. You know, tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Then he goes up to Logan and is like, you're going to apologize to Veronica. And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck happened for him to be like a big bully to this guardian? And this, I think, is more of the time when I realized, oh, man, this weird trope of romantic tension or protector yeah. guardianship. Like, it's it's a weird trope in media, particularly in the 2000s. I think it's like, maybe I'm just saying that because I think of Weeds and the show being early 2000s shows. Good Girls is not exempt from that. But <laughs> beats him up a little bit and he's like refusing to apologize. And he... Finally, Veronica's like, I don't want his apology. Tell him to fuck off. He he, he can't leave. No big deal. You get some more conversation between the the three of them that she was able to clear the air. The bikers are going to get off scot-free because there's no videotape. Wallace has the videotape, so he can pretty much blackmail the bikers whenever they feel like. And they're all kind of on this weird equal footing in a way. Like, all right, it's a draw, right? It's, we're not going to yuck each other's yums at this point. We got a draw. We got a standoff. Exactly. We're almost done with the episode. Veronica has this line of, this morning I woke up and I knew there was at least one person who I could always count on, but that's kind of been betrayed now because now she's thinking of her father who's lying to her. So when he leaves the office at night, she goes in, breaks into his safe, and I'm not exactly sure why, but she does. I think she's probably just trying to find out more information about Kane and the, about her mom. And what she finds instead is a case file of Jake Kane with notes from like that month. And what's happening is that the dad, even though he's not a sheriff anymore, is still following Kane and still believes Kane's the one that killed Lily and ha- has been doing a lot of background investigating about it and hasn't been telling his kid about it. Sure. And at this point, too, there's a, there's a music shift. And it's important because, you know, dad comes back into the office, oh, I saw the light on and they're, they're family banter. And they did agree to go do dinner. She's like, I have to make a pit stop real quick. And I didn't realize the music changed until I realized the music changed because then you see the dad watch her leave. And he looks back to the desk, and it's the unicorn music box. And the entire time, once she, like, discovered the file, basically it shifted over to this music box theme. And it was so subtle and really well done. And then, like, the way the camera just pans over, suddenly you recognize, oh, that beat. It's a music box. It was very well done. Very, very, very good. Um, He closes the music box. And her last stop is, she's like, you know, I get it. My dad's trying to protect me from something. That's what dads do. But I now have more questions than answers, and that won't stand, and I'm really good at getting answers, so that's what I'm going to go do. And the ending shot is her going to the hotel, going to knock on the door that that Kane went to, presumably where her mom is, and her her end-up goal is to bring the family back together. She's like, I guess you can call me a marshmallow. So that's that's episode one. I liked it a lot. I get it, but I'm not done talking. <laughs> That was the pilot, but now here's my other tangent. (laughs) Here's this other thing that I think is important, at least interesting for people who follow media, right? Before, so I just very recently got another season, season four. And before then, 
I was trying to find information about uh, why it got canceled to begin with. And I remember reading something about how the revival of, of Veronica Mars was like one of the first big movements by Twitter, specifically Twitter, to bring back a show. And was the first one that kind of did it successfully. So uh, it was canceled in 2006, but and that was after season two. Or at least it was on the verge of being canceled. Uh, Joss Whedon, Stephen King started a campaign to keep it. Meanwhile, fans are raising money. They raised $7,000 to actually fly a plane that said uh, Renew Veronica Mars CW 2006. And like that flew across in California, I think. They donated DVDs to libraries to grow the fan base. And they <laughs> sent 10,000 Mars bars to CW offices. <laughs> so like there was this huge ground campaign to be like, no, there's a lot of fans out here who really want the show to continue. Do not cancel it. CW heard. They actually listened. They're like, yeah, sure. We'll do it a third season. Third season, which I think is the same thing that happens to, like, Buffy, they go to college. And there's something about that transition period from high school to college that's really rough on a show that's like that. So it gets canned after season three because they're still just not seeing the numbers. Right. But the fans are so hungry for more. They end up raising $2 million to fund a Veronica Mars movie. And the movie gets made in 2014. Right. Okay. But the fans are still hungry for more. <laughs> and Hulu picks up Veronica Mars for a fourth season. Mm-hmm. Which in itself, from my understanding, is kind of like one big long movie. Sure. And it's been canceled again. <laughs> my understanding is that there's not going to be a season five. But when I was trying to find information about this, I was trying really hard to avoid spoilers. But you found them all. Not all of them. I will say that. I found a major one about this, this very last season. And, like, the first one I saw, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm not butthurt about that. I could have predicted that. Like, yeah. that's not too surprising. Like, oh, oh, interesting. Deductive okay. reasoning would have gotten me there. Yeah, so, like, I'm not too butthurt. The spoiler after that, I was like, what the fuck? You could have mean nothing. It was just, like, the bold first sentence of the paragraph. <laughs> like, no spoiler. It was just a bold, here it is. And I'm like, oh, the fuck? How am I supposed to watch the whole show knowing this? Like, it's going to be dramatic irony at this point versus naturally finding it. Right. <laughs> uh, and people who are Veronica Mars fans, I'm sure, 100% know what I'm freaking out about right now. Um, and I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to endure that. And I'm mad that I don't get to enjoy that feeling. Uh, and that's why I, I'm not sure if you know this, Ethan. I really don't like spoilers. If it's content that I'm really anticipating, I fucking hate spoilers. And I get raging mad about it. So I was... I literally just wrote fucking spoilers and underlined it and called it a day on my thing. So. I get it. Spoilers suck. They suck so bad. So bad. I give myself, like, the, the caveat, like, if it's movies or television or anything like that, I'm like, okay, so if I haven't seen a movie or a show in a year, I'm not going to be mad if I stumble upon it because it's like, okay, I want to watch it, but it's something that... I never got to, or if it was really that important to me and I wanted to avoid the spoilers, I would dive in and go see it however mm. I could or watch it. Same with TV shows. If there's something like, I'm like, oh, you know, so-and-so died, or, oh, I can't believe they were the bad guy the whole time. It's like, huh, interesting. I feel like spoilers have a good, I mean, it's good to have spoiler, like, discussion and stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like a show really struggles with they have to do these twist things to create spoiler content, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just have a show and not be like, you know, have this out of left field, like, surprise and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You have to have that in a show a lot of times. I just, I did real good about Game of Thrones. So, for those who are unaware, if I have somehow not mentioned this before, 
I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I do not like the show. After like the first or second season, I really do not like the show because of how many liberties and stuff they had changed. And I just, they could have done better and they didn't. And there's reasons. Most uh, people would agree with you, especially after this last series season. Well, so. I've been preaching it for like the last three, four seasons. I'm like, sure. you guys are watching a trash show. I'm like, no, it's sure. genius. It's genius, right? I'm like, no, you fuckers don't understand. It's very they, bad TV. They, they look back at there. They're like, well, hold on uh, now. Um, Whenever you people think, whenever you people think that I do not know what I'm talking about, I assure you I do. You'll find out. You'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> but I did real good because I still didn't want to know the spoiler because even though I know it diverges because the books aren't completed yet, I still wanted to, I wanted that moment to be mine and I wanted to yep. be it for the books. And I did real good. I knew I knew some of the characters who were involved with like the big twist, final ending. But like I, I did a real good job. And I think it was just me reviewing, reading something, and it was just kind of was there. And I stumbled through it, and I was like, oh, damn it! Like <laughs> the only You're person like, to blame at that point was me. It wasn't someone who posted it on Twitter, or it wasn't something that I could have avoided. It was just a shit. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, well, I dug too deep at this point. I should have expected them to discuss this. <laughs> And I, you know, I still don't know the full details, but, like, now I know enough. I'm like, shit. Pouting about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yeah, when I'm dedicated, I do a really, I want to say, it took, like, six months to a year for me to find it. Like, and and, because it had been six months to a year, so I had grown lax and just thought people wouldn't be talking about it as much. False. I will say, with Game of Thrones, the discussion died pretty quickly after that last season. So, yeah, it is. They were mad, they were mad, and they left. Yeah, they... That was the fandom that sunk quicker than than it rose, so. <laughs> yes. Which is unfortunate. But again, it gives me hopes for the books. But that's the kind of person I am. Exactly. Uh, they're they're working on their new prequel series with it now, so they're <laughs> they're gonna focus on that, try to bring back everyone. Which I mean, it's got a couple of actors that I'm really excited for, but I'm not too excited for it, so Yeah. So anyways, that was my word vomit. I'm sorry, like, I, I was talking, it's, it's the usual, right? I talk fast, yeah. I had a lot to say. Um, any thoughts, questions? I mean, it obviously sounds like you're gonna continue with the show, since you kind of, one, know a spoiler, so you have to see how the dramatic irony yes. continues out through it. Uh, you know, it's our bread and butter, it's that crime noir, so you were gonna follow oh, it. It's on your list anyways. So. It's like a lighthearted brick. Yeah. So I think you'd really like it, Ethan. Oh yeah. If it's got, if you're referring it to Brick, then yeah. And and like I said, I feel like maybe it was season two, maybe it was season three, but I do recall seeing it at some point on television, and I was channel surfing, and I mm-hmm. stumbled upon it, and I didn't follow through on watching it because it was obviously in the middle of the show. But it's I your knew- fault, Ethan. They got canceled because of you, because you didn't stop to watch it. It's all because of me. I'm the one viewer that they needed yeah. to keep it going. I'm sorry, gang. God, I'm you're sorry, a Marshmallow. I'm sorry, Marshmallows, I let you down. I apologize. Yeah, no. Is there anything you obviously are trying to deduce outside of the main crime and other spoilers that you think you... Like, before you dived in too deep, after watching <laughs> the episode... Did you have your own kind of thoughts or ideas where it was going to go from here? So, uh, because I have a friend that's really into the show, I think she and I have had conversations in the past about what was happening in the show currently, or maybe she and I even watched a show together and she kind of explained, hey, this is why this is happening. So I was already light spoiled previously about some things, just not about that big thing. And so I'm also not really someone who actively tries to deduce what's happening. 
Even when I'm not quickly scrolling notes, right? Sure. Like, at some point, I'm like, I'm not sure what the switcheroo is, but it's something. Aha, mm-hmm. the switcheroo, I now understand. I really am there for, for the ride. Sure. I like the story being told, so I try not to think too hard, particularly about noir stuff, right? Yeah, you're not trying but to I, predict how it's going to turn out. No, I I enjoy more of like, okay, who's the femme fatale? Where are the tropes? Where I really like the trope of of her being the private investigator that has these monologues, these really thoughtful moments, and like mm-hmm. being at the desk and stuff. They're, they're, they're very good. Young Kristen Bell, and maybe it was the way she was dressed too, she reminded me a lot of Heather Mason <laughs> from Silent Hill. Sure. Like, oh my god, we deserved her as as Heather way back in the 2000s. <laughs> Shit! Damn. We missed out, just like we missed out on Cameron Diaz being Harley Quinn. Like, we... We were right there. We so close. So close. Had to make it too graphic and too gross. I know, right? But... Overall, just it was. I don't think it was missing anything for me. I will continue it, but it's not at the top of my list, partly because of that spoiler. I need to let that sink in. Settle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta I let forget yourself. About it. Yeah, you're gonna try to repress it a little bit before you continue on. As much as I can. Uh, over over Christmas, I started watching Stargate with my dad. Okay. So there's that, and then Ethan is aware of this at this point. But I also started Titans. Yes, you did. So there's two shows there that are on my on my radar to finish first. I feel um, like I've talked about it on this show, and so I, I blame myself because I was the earworm that started you down this dark path of Titans, and I apologize. Well, that was the joke at the beginning, where we're like, are you going to finish watching Harley? Which, by the way, I finished watching Harley. We'll talk more about that in our last episode. Uh, but... I was like, I'm going to watch Titans before I finish Harley. So now that I finish Harley, I'm like, well, now i gotta, well, now I got to start Titans. Now I actually have to start it. Ugh, the exact opposite of how it's supposed to be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. I recommend it. I can see the... It, again, has that kind of community. I get the fandom. I understand it. I would have been a poll 100% a part of it at one point. Like, I, I get it. I'm late to the party, but I get it. At least you're here for the party now. Yeah. Party and that's kind of like a, a good bit. time to start. Yeah. Because... I mean, I know it's not getting a fifth season, but it had this next chapter, and who knows, maybe another five, ten years, Kristen Bell will be like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> let's do it where Veronica Mars has a kid, and, and they're solving crimes together. They pull a, you, you know, they pull a, like a Nathan Drake's type style or something like that, or Uncharted. Something. I, it'll be cool if they do something more in the future. It, it'd be cool if this was the, the show that just never died, right? Yeah. It just comes it just back com- every, every few years. It, it mm-hmm. gets revamped. It's good to have those shows. Yeah. So I guess I would say out of, say, out of 10 Mars bars. 10 Mars bars. 10 Mars bars, what would you rate this show? 10 out of 10. Oh, there we go. Straight up. Straight up. I don't even do my subjective or subjective. It was really well done. Uh, The dialogue is good. It holds up, even though it was written 2005 era, right? We'll just say Mm -hmm. that to encompass everything. Mid-2000s, yep. Yep. And for me, mid two thousands is two thousand and ten. I don't know why that is. That to me feels more mid two thousands because now we're in twenty twenty. I'm like, oh, so mid two thousands would be the tens, right? But no, I think it's it's it holds up well. Even stuff like the the, the roofies at the party, I think it's handled well as much as that topic can be. You don't see anything graphic happen. It's all hinted at. Um, it's interesting how how it gets portrayed. I think they do a real good job of seeing and showing how that PTSD would form in a young woman, how shitty police departments can be. And you get the, you get the idea that the sheriff is a real great a turd, just there you go. a horrible, horrible, horrible character, guy. 
of a bad guy. Like, it's rough. But I think for the most part, again, keeping in mind, like, oh, there's one black character in a cast of all white in California. Oh, you have one black guy and you have one Latinx, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's it. That's all you get. It's all you need in Neptune, California, apparently. It's recognizing the problem, but acknowledging, like, it's, it's acknowledging, but still appreciating it for what it is, right? Yep. That's, that's, we, we can do that. We're, mm-hmm. we're allowed to do that. Yep, that's where you look um, at it as a period piece, and then you're like, that's, that's the times. And it sucked. And yep. hopefully we do better moving forward. Yep. That means, hey, to do better moving forward means that we do need to watch the shows that do have diverse casts, so that way they do get ratings and they do get, or they, they don't get canceled, and we don't have to rent a plane. To save them. Yes. So, also so, speech box. Soapbox. Whatever. Tally on the speech box. That means you need to continue to watch Lovecraft Country so we can get a second season. Guess what? I got HBO Max, motherfuckers. <gasps> oh, shit. Let's go. That's also the danger. So I said, I have Stargate and I have shit, the other show that I'm watching. I already See, forgot. You're you're already doing better. Like, I had a friend that Stargate was his... That was his show. That was his mm-hmm. show and everything about it. Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, all the like spinoffs and everything. That was like his show. And I understood the premises enough of it. But like your friend Kristen, that's like how it was with me. Like he's explaining all this stuff to me. And I'm like, I see. I see the appeal. I should eventually watch it, but I haven't. So you're already you're even beating me to that party of Stargate. So I need you to understand. I'm going to be that person. I fucking love Stargate. And we're not going to talk about it right now, but I fucking love Stargate. It's, I, it's I, on my list. Fuck Trekkies. <laughs> fuck Star Wars people. I am here for the Stargate folks. I am here. Take me. Well, I am home. Especially, I remember watching like maybe Stargate Atlantis was like their last kind of like series they had with that. Um, but I remember watching a couple of episodes with that. And you know who's like originally in that series like of Stargate Atlantis to begin with? is Jason Momoa. I was going to say, wasn't it Momoa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also the guy that, I mean, you can probably tell by his voice, but one of the main characters in SG-1 is actually the voice of Kratos in God of War. So I would know that if I ever played God of War. Mm, well, just imagine one of the characters saying boy a lot, and oh, then you'll, you'll probably figure out who it is. It's the nerd, right? Yes. 100%. Naturally. naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get too much on a tirade about other shows, right? Mm-hmm. Let's wrap it. Even though this yeah. is our last review, mm-hmm. we can wrap it. Yeah. Our very last episode is going to be our ongoing tradition. Ethan and I will cover all the things we've watched. Now, see, the thing was, season one, that was like, it took us six months to record that. Uh... We're at almost a year. <laughs> yeah. <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> maybe 10 months, 11 months is... The better estimate. During during a global pandemic. And I, yeah. We addressed too early on that uh, we had some media fatigue, maybe about somewhere in the like, midsummer. Yeah. Um, but that's like, that fucking stops us. It's not going to be as bad as I thought it would be, but we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, So we'll, we'll kind of go over things. I know what I'll do is just have a laundry list of all the stuff I, I did watch, the stuff that I really want to share with y'all, Um, share with Ethan, and he'll do the same for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be a nice way to recap our season. And also, more importantly, we're going to share like what we decided to keep watching based off of this season of First. Exactly. I'm sure Ethan has watched so much of it. So, so the much. The face. The face is good. Um, 
He's just gonna cram a bunch just to say that he did. <laughs> yes, that's very much. It's the, you know, it's that procrastinator mentality. Like, oh, I'll do it the night before. Yeah, I'm just gonna watch. I'm just gonna watch ten shows. The night back before. To back to back. Yeah, night before. Who needs sleep? <laughs> but I'm I'm super excited to talk. Even if you said I didn't watch, I didn't follow through with anything. That's okay. I do want to know the stuff that you did end up watching this year. Yeah, and absolutely. It'll be a good discussion for that. So yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it, Ethan. We I don't want to celebrate too soon, but I will say we can celebrate the fact that we I think it's like fourteen, fifteen, so like thirty episodes of TV we watched in total. Yes, this is true. Ish, somewhere in there, right around. I give there. or take a few even numbers. And thank you so much for doing this project with me. You're welcome. And I hope you found some shows that you enjoyed. Absolutely. I'm glad I got to share this experience with you and got to have fun hanging out with my buddy and talking about TV shows that are either good or trash. And mostly trash. Mostly, mostly trash. It was a rough season for Alex. I'll say that. It was It was rough. Um, I feel like my self-pick. I'm still mad about the crown. <laughs> um, anyways. So let's let's say goodbye. I guess we could promote some stuff. Do you have anything going on, Ethan? Uh, I'm working on a couple of projects right now. I'm going to start to try to do some streaming stuff, so we'll see how that pans out. I don't have a set link or anything for that yet, but you can just follow me on the Twitters like normal at Shaw. That's where I will post anything that's of importance if you guys want to track that down. Yeah. What about you, Alex? Well, let's see. Now that... Oh, the world is ending. Uh, no, that I'm back from the holidays. I'm getting back to the full stream of streaming. So we... Sunday... Saturday, Sunday, Mondays, various times. You can find me at Roll for Alex, but instead of an E, it's a three because I am a dumbass. And we've you've probably listened enough at this point to know why that happened. But you can also see when I'm going live by following me on Twitter at Roll for Alex, spelled with an E and not a three. <laughs> at least our Twitter handles are listed in the show notes. You can also join our Discord. So we share it with a, we call it the Cool Kid Community. And we have a, a wonderful, wonderful group of folks there. They have been with us since um, other other projects that we've done together. And we have we haven't updated any new channels recently. But it's been great to see we have like a hobby channel that people are posting miniatures that they're painting and figurines that they're building. We have a very cursed food channel, which I feel like we bring up every time. There's always the the safer work memes and the not safer work memes. Those are always creative and sometimes cursed as well, too. So Yes, absolutely. But it's a really good time. So if you just need a chill group to hang out with, it's, you know, I think sometimes the danger of joining a Discord is the getting spammed with notifications. Uh, we have a very lax group, and you'll get a handful throughout the day, but it's usually nice positive stuff, or at least yes, funny indeed. stuff. Yeah. And I think the other big thing is you can also hang out with us there to tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. Hey, if you like the intro song, it is called Astronaut by the Spinwires off their Nights Out EP. Uh, you should definitely give it a check out. They released another cover album here this uh, late summer, early fall, I believe. Uh, and so you should go check it out. And, and a lot of the stuff is pay what you can. Go support them. But let's get out of here, man. Yeah, let's all right. It. Say all goodbye. Right. Later. Later days. Bye. Bye.